0: Opening up to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and starting in verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, Colossae was the smallest city that Paul ever wrote a letter to. And Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, the one who had been blinded by the Lord Jesus Christ on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians and had been told in a vision, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? By the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Saul, the fierce persecutor and religious terrorist against the Christians, became Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, the missionary, apostle, the word meaning sent one, He was the missionary sent out from the church at Antioch along with Barnabas. And Paul is writing this letter with Timothy. You know, it's kind of interesting. Timothy is right alongside in the introductory part and in the closing parts in several of Paul's epistles, several of his letters. Now, it does seem that Paul many times dictated his letters to someone and they wrote them down, why he had somebody with him. But Timothy, our brother, the spiritual son, if you will, of Paul, one of those that he mentored a very dear son to him in the faith, is with him as he is writing this letter. Paul, in verse 1 not only says he is an apostle of Christ Jesus, but distinctly says by the will of God. Paul did not become an apostle. He did not become a missionary or a teacher or a writer by his own will. He became one by the will of God. Christianity is not a vocation to be chosen. Christian ministry is not a vocation that you simply choose from a list at the college. Ministry is a stewardship and a calling that every Christian has. Some are called to larger amounts of time devoted to their service. There are those called if you will, quote-unquote, full-time service. But even though Paul, we would probably argue, was a full-time Christian, he did not abuse his right to support from the church. And notice that he was an apostle by the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, a missionary, and also an authoritative teacher Of the churches, a theologian, an apologist defending the Christian faith is what apology means to give a defense. Paul did not choose this path, God chose it for him. May we as well learn that lesson. Dear brothers and sisters, Maybe you're very interested in ministry. I know many saints who are, and I praise God for the many retired saints I know who are invested in ministry. But far too many young people think they have a right to be paid in ministry. Ministry is not the way to an easier life. Ministry is not the way to an easy salary and a fun, fun job. Ministry is not primarily a job or a vocation. Our Lord Jesus Christ spent some, about 30 years of his time on this earth. And his ministry was only around three and a half years of his life. Most of his life was devoted to work with his own two hands. There's a lesson there. Paul immediately began preaching Jesus in the synagogue after he became a Christian. But he spent some eight years before he was sent out as a missionary. Paul spent some three years in the Arabian desert. He then spent, we don't know exactly how long, but possibly up to six or eight years back in his hometown of Tarsus, sharing the gospel with people, but working as a tent maker. And then he went to Antioch, and for some period of time with Barnabas, was one of the teachers or prophets in the early church there, teaching the Word of God, faithfully building the believers up. In all, there may have been 11 years or even 14 years that have passed after Paul's conversion before he went as a missionary and apostle. God called him from the very moment he was saved and prophesied what Paul would do, an apostle to the Gentiles, but it did not happen right away. Paul spent those three years alone with Jesus, learning. He proclaimed the gospel in his hometown. He was faithful in Antioch church there before he was sent out. And when the church sent him out, we have no record that Antioch was always sending him checks of money. No. They commended him as it were. They commissioned him, laid their hands on him and Barnabas and sent him out. They said, God's calling you to this. Go. But Paul takes his tent making trade along with him. And later on, he does receive some support from Philippi and occasionally other churches. But we see something. We see something in how Paul acts. By the will of God, not by our own will. When we are Christians... We lay aside our own will. No longer is it Ryan Marks who lives, but Christ Jesus lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer do I live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. Can you truly say that? Have you died to your own will? Do you serve the Lord and Master? In the West... There is too much talk about Christianity being about us having our own individual lives. Yes, each of us is accountable individually to the Lord. We are accountable to our own master. But we no longer live for ourselves. Christianity is not some side thing we do. We don't just pray a prayer. We're going to go to heaven. We go to church, give our money go to some Bible studies, and then do whatever we want the rest of the week. We watch the same television that blasphemes God and dishonors Him. We participate in the same activities. We continue to waste our time and our resources on frivolous hobbies, hobbies that are eating up all the resources God has given us of time and talent treasure, and we're spinning them all for fleeting earthly pleasures. It's not wrong to enjoy a vacation. It's not wrong to enjoy something nice. But I do have to ask this question to us in the West who profess to be Christians and attend churches, but we really pick churches that have music that appeals to us or preaching that appeals to us that aren't that confrontational, have good programs for our kids. We don't really want to have to live this Christianity thing throughout the week. Maybe I go to church service Wednesday evening and I go to Sunday school and church service on Sunday. And maybe I'm involved in a ministry at the church, but don't dare expect me to be sharing my faith every day. Don't expect me to be a witness for Christ at my workplace. I'm too scared. Don't expect me to actually be making disciples and teaching others about the faith. You see, has our Christianity in the West become all about preference? Have we deceived ourselves thinking that we're Christian when in reality we just want to go to heaven? We want to go to heaven and we want a savior, but we want no Lord of our lives. Well, guess what? The Bible talks about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not only supposed to be our Savior, He is our Master, our Lord. Are you His slave? The Bible literally talks about us being slaves of Christ. Bond servants, even. Willingly we have given up our freedom to serve our master all of our lives. Have you really done that? Is that really what Christianity means to you? Whatever God says, you obey? Or do we fight and disobey? I'm not saying there's any perfect Christian life. We all struggle with sin. But I do believe that here in the West, we have a tendency to just be entertained in everything else, and our Christianity is just a sideshow. We want to be a part-time Christian. We want to be a Christian on Sundays. We want to be a Christian on Wednesdays. We want to look the part. We want the church to like us. We want to have some Christian friends. But we go out and we live exactly the way we did before Christ the rest of the week. That's not the way it's supposed to be. In verse 2, we see that Paul and Timothy are writing to the saints and faithful brethren. The faithful brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus at Colossae. All the believers in this city they are writing to. However many house churches there are. You see... Paul never referred to the house church. At certain times, he refers to the church in so and so's house or that meets in so and so's house. But the church is the believers, anyone who believes in Christ Jesus. And notice that these are the saints of the living God. They've been blood bought by Jesus Christ and they are faithful. Are we faithful? Paul is writing to these at Colossae and as we go on in the letter, in weeks later, we're going to see that Paul shares his heart of prayer for these people. He talks about the preeminence of Jesus Christ because he's going to be dealing with, also giving them a a recount of how he went to this church and his ministry among them, reminding them what he preached He's going to be declaring to them, they are now alive in Christ, they have a new life. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. He's going to encourage them and exhort them, let no one disqualify you in this Christian walk. Getting you off into things that sidetrack you from the purity and simplicity of the gospel. And getting you into intellectual craziness That goes off into new teachings that lead people astray because it says something new that itches people's ears Ooh, that sounds new I never heard that doctrine I never heard that teaching when I was growing up in church I remember one of the things we were sometimes taught now this was not always taught from the pulpit but several people I knew and would talk with would say well you know what teachings are you listening to you know, you need to get some good teaching and be listening to it. Wait a second, I need the Word of God. I need to be following the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ has sent to glorify Himself and teach me about Jesus Christ. We do not just need some new teaching that itches our ear and sounds good. Hey, there were some dynamic preachers and, that they would point us to and some dynamic people that taught, but they did not always teach the Bible. They may have been good teachers. But they were always opening their Bibles and finding hidden things. Paul is going to talk to them about this. Don't let people disqualify you, get you off track. He's going to tell them to put on the new self. Some things like Ephesian, uh, like Galatians 5 and 6 is what it's going to kind of sound like. Talking about putting on this new life in Christ and living in it. He's going to talk about rules for Christian households a code, so to speak, the way the Christian households should conduct themselves as well as how masters and slaves should treat each other. He's going to give them instructions. He's going to close in greetings to different specific people. But in Colossians, Paul is dealing with a church church That has had people worshiping angels in it. It has had people wandering into aestheticism. Wandering into legalism. Wandering into going back to the law and observing certain feasts or things. And Paul is going to deal with all of this. But he is writing... By the will of God, he is the apostle by the will of God in Christ Jesus. Timothy, our brother, a faithful minister, is right there along his side. He is writing to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ at Colossae. And how does he tie it up? The end of verse 2. Now, there were no verses in the original text. There were none. It was a letter. We've added the chapters and verse numbers so that we can read along together, study, and get to the same place when we're preaching. So we need to understand there were no verse numbers there. They're not inspired. It's not like Paul was writing the letter and, oh, God's leading me to write verse 2. No, God was re- leading him to write a letter. The letter is inspired. The chapters and verse numbers we have added. And that helps us understand there is one unified thought here. We need to read the paragraph, the page, understand this is a letter that flows there are sections in the letter but those sections are not always divided by the verse numbers or by the chapter numbers but at the end of verse 2 here we see Paul say in the end of his greeting grace to you and peace from God our father the greeks wanted grace grace was a very common greeting in the greek culture Grace meant very much to the Gentile believers. You get something you don't deserve. And peace meant something to the Jewish people. The Jewish people had a custom of telling people shalom. The idea of go in peace. May you have peace in your entire being. Body, soul, and spirit. May your soul prosper. This is what they meant when they said peace, shalom, to one another. Paul ties them both together in Christ Jesus and shows we have grace in God and peace from God the Father because of Christ Jesus. We have His grace, salvation that we do not deserve. It is a free gift, the free gift of eternal life. God gives us something that we don't deserve. Grace is distinct from mercy because mercy simply means that God doesn't give us what we deserve, but grace is that he gives us something that we don't deserve. Not just we not just withholding his hand from punishment. That's what mercy means, withholding his hand from what we justly deserve. But grace goes a step farther and gives us something that we do not deserve. It's a free gift. And then we see the peace of God. We are now at peace with God in Christ Jesus. We are brought near by the blood of Christ. We have peace with Him. We have access to be able to boldly come to the throne of grace. We have Christ's righteousness. No longer are we at enmity with God. No longer are we slaves of sin. But we have peace with God, our Father. And we are going to close there in these first two verses for our first lesson, our first time opening up the book of Colossians. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray that as we go on in this book of your word, Father, that you would guide us. Holy Spirit, teach us, ground us in the truth, lead us into all truth. I ask that You would make Jesus Christ even more real and special to us. Ground us in Him. Convict us. Change us. Exhort us by Your Word and build us up in the most holy faith that we can go out and be faithful witnesses of Christ Jesus our Lord. Dependent on You, Lord, dependent on Your Spirit, and equipped for every good work that You lead us to do. I ask these things in Christ Jesus, our Lord's name. Amen.